the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, we return to the purveyors of real estate knowledge. Your Real Estate Chalk Talk. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is your Real Estate Chalk Talk. Thanks for staying with us. Strap your seatbelts on, ladies and gentlemen. we got Randy Buffy in the studio. We're going to be talking architecture and uh I always Slide this love way. it when he comes a on, bit on Facebook. Yeah. the program. No, this this way. way. Towards me there, boss. Hitnergroup.com, H-I-T-T-N-E-R group, all one word, Hitnergroup.com oh, is uh, the website I like that. Uh, that you want to go to. 612-627-8000, 612-627-8000. Randy, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me back. I really enjoy these conversations. So tell me what is the most exciting thing that you are, have worked on in the last uh, six months? Besides my own house? Besides your own house. What are you doing at your own house? <laughs> tell us about yours. Oh, this is just great. We found, well, I had a house on the Homes by Architects Tour on 40th and Queen and backs up to the trolley tracks right by the uh, uh, Lake Harriet Banshell okay. uh, past September. And so I've been in the Linden Hills neighborhood for about four years doing work and so forth. And through the whole course of that time, been keeping sort of my ear to the ground. Can I find the right house, right dollar point, right expandability? Well, we found one, and it's okay. situated right between Calhoun and Harriet. So, you know, three-minute walk to mm-hmm. either. I mean, it's a fabulous location. And so it's a simple little, um, you know, small. We want small, about mm-hmm. a 1,000-square-foot footprint wow. that we're starting from. And it's a story-and-a-half rambler, and we're expanding out the back. And we're also building a t- detached two-car garage with an additional dwelling unit on top, which is basically like okay, a carriage, carriage house. house. So you have a an apartment. And um, I don't own any real estate that doesn't have some sort of a cash flow component to it. Mm-hmm. And we found – this sounds really counterintuitive. If we spent more money, it would actually cost us less to live there because you can overlay the income that you get off of the, the carriage house. Sure. So we spent more money, and it's actually going to be cheaper to live there, which That's sounds awesome. sort of backwards. Right, you know? right. So tell me about your – when you go in and, and evaluate that for yourself. I mean, we know what we look at from a real estate perspective, and we're looking at our cash flows and you know cash on cash returns right. and all of that kind of stuff. But when you're looking at an area like that from an architectural standpoint – What's the threshold that you that you look at and say, you know, this is maybe too much for this neighborhood or too much change for this particular street? Because it almost does go street by street. It really does. And it varies uh, proximity to the lake. So if you can see water, those properties are more valuable than the ones that are farther down the block that mm-hmm. you can't see water. And it actually has an effect on the resale value of the property. Mm-hmm. And so that was one big reason we're... I think we're 18 houses from the South Shore of Calhoun. And so that's really important. But it depends upon, you know, every situation is a little bit different. So it depends upon the client and what it is that they're trying to do. If they're in there for life and they're going to be there for 20 years, they may have a tendency to overspend 
mm-hmm. just because they know it's not as important to get their money back out. Right. But there's well, a, 20 years from now, it's almost hard to overspend because in 20 years, no matter what happens, you're going to be able to get your money out. Well, yeah, but you always have to overlay inflation. Right. So a house that sells for a million now will still buy a million-dollar house 20 years from now. It's just that the dollar value is there right. because the dollar has been It'll deflated. Be a million and a half. So even though it's a million and a half, the million and a half still only buys a million and a half at, right, that, right, right. at that point in time. In Linden Hills, uh, you know, when you tie it to the resale value, mm-hmm. once you start to eclipse a million dollars, the houses move slower. Yeah. And so that's sort of a magic threshold. And so when you're looking at what is my starting point, what do I have to buy the dirt, basically, mm-hmm. the lot, and how much of the house can we save if mm-hmm. we're going to do a remodel, um, that's really a big component. And it gets really tough when you start eclipsing a half a million dollars in a purchase price okay. because, boy, I don't know, to really, to really make over a house, you know, boy, half a million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but in the construction world, it really is not. And so... We're all sort of taken what, aback sometimes what, by what things actually right. cost. What part do you save then when you're buying this house is a thousand square feet, which you know is not that big. So you're going to say you're going to expand it in the back to give yourself a little bit bigger footprint, and then are you going up with a second story or no, no, no? Okay. Actually, we're we're slightly expanding. I don't know how much we want to get into all of this, but there there's a an, an attic bedroom upstairs, and there were two bedrooms on the main level mm-hmm. with a bath in between. Very common so floor plan. Yeah, just a bungalow. Okay. And so, like a lot of people, what we do is we're taking the bath and expanding it. We're taking the small back bedroom and making that a master closet. So now that north side of the house is a master suite. Mm-hmm. So that's all set up for one level living. Um, and then there was an, a little attachment in a, in a, uh, that was a, like a dining room. Mm-hmm. It was small and a deck that sat on top of a single car garage that was attached to the house. We scraped that off the back of the house. And being that now we have a master suite, the upper bedroom does not have access to a bathroom. Mm-hmm. So in the addition, there's basically a powder room, but it has a tub. Mm-hmm. So that takes care of the upper bedroom. That's that's occupiable without somebody having to walk through our, our bedroom to mm-hmm. go to use right. the bathroom. And then we did a slightly larger dining room is really what's what's on there in a deck. Are you planning, you said it was a detached garage, just Minnesota. Are you planning any kind of connectivity between the between the living quarters and the garage or boy would i love to do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) we looked at a lot of different we probably did a half a dozen different design studies to really understand this property and there are about five different criteria in the city ordinances that push on the design of the house Mm -hmm. and at some point we realized that there's no way that we could physically attach a garage to the house have an adu and still meet the footprint requirements and the hardcover requirements and all of that and so the ordinance is really set up so that you have, you know, your front street, the house, an open yard, and then a garage. Okay. And so that's really how the ordinance are trying to guide people to, mm-hmm. to do that. Can you put a portico of some type between or anything like that? Or well, that there are different A separate... tunnel, maybe. A tunnel, <laughs> a tunnel <laughs> underground. Oh, I like the sound of that. Uh Actually, you can't physically attach with a trellis or anything to the house. And the reason being is the setbacks are different for – if you have a detached garage and it's just a garage, you can be within a foot of your property lines on the back and the side. If you put a a, a carriage house on top, now you have to be three feet. Okay. And if you attach it to the house, now you have to be seven feet. Ah. So at some point, the lot's only 45 feet wide. You can't maneuver a car to get in and out of there. Mm -hmm. And so – it's a it's a math game, really, when it comes down to it. Talk about 
You guys who, yeah, who did the design? You said you looked at a number of designs. That's you, though. You're laying out all the different designs, and then you picked one that you liked? Say you owned a car and you were a mechanic. Would you have somebody else work on your car? No way. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the designer. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a fun term to throw out there. When you're doing, When you're doing work like this in the city or anywhere now, what does sustainability mean to you as an architect? And and then can you tie that to generational change uh, that gives a long-term? Because when I think of sustainability, I think, of how is this property going to perform over time? And, and uh, part of that equation is the occupants are going to get older, and they're going to need different needs in 20 years or 15 years than they do today. Can Correct. you just address that? Well, sustainability, you know, so much of it is tied to the green movement. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a politically correct guy, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna probably some, I painted sta- something green once. Didn't like it. <laughs> I, I know I'm going to step into it here. But um, I agree with you. Uh, sustainability uh, in my thinking is, you know, how do you build really well so the house doesn't have a 50-year life? Yeah. You know, does it have 100 or 150-year mm-hmm. life? And like you were mentioning, you know, as people age in place, um, you know, in our example, it's a one-level living. And uh, there's a place built into the cabinetry for a stackable washer and dryer. Um, you, you, I mean, it's just perfect for long-term living down mm-hmm. the road. Um, you know, it, the green movement has really... I'm going to offend a bunch of your <laughs> listeners right Go now. Ahead. I don't Go think ahead. you will. You Not know, <laughs> well, you know, the thing that's fascinating is, uh, you know, for, I don't know, the last 10, 15 years, everything's green this, green that. Mm-hmm. And it's really become this fantastic marketing tool that right. somehow, yep. and some things, you know, like LED lighting and things like that make a heck of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And since they were able to engineer the drivers so that they had a more incandescent kind of a color level, um, they have really become a fantastic element. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're able to, uh, you know, do photovoltaic cells on, on roofs and things like that. The hard part with that is how do you justify the front-end expenditure? Right. How many years does it take in whatever back. you that, save in right. your $35 a month electric right. bill? Um, and I've seen, you know, they say, oh, let's use bamboo flooring, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's grass. It's quickly growing. Right, you know, right. Perfect, Right, right. And then it arrives on the job site. It's dripping with formaldehyde. Yeah. So how is that green? Yeah. And so it has to be whatever products you're working with have to literally be green all the way through in everything, mm. how they're off-gassing, all of these kinds Absolutely. of things. And so in my world, I've uh, I've always, from the in the last 30 years of my practice, and I, not to sound new agey or anything, but there's a certain energy that happens in materials. Mm-hmm. And the more that we carve on them and manipulate them, it's like you dissipate that energy. Mm-hmm. And so my world, I, as you know, I'm big on sunlight and how yeah. all that works and that affects the emotional mm-hmm. content of spaces. Um, the same thing is true for the materiality. Mm-hmm. And so I've, you're sort of green and sustainable by not expending a whole bunch of energy Great. to remanufacture right. something. And so, um, you know, you think about how granite or, you know, certain materials just need a lot less effort to... We're, uh, we're out of time in the segment, but I'm going to have you just hang over. We'll do a yep. little mortgage stuff, and then we'll talk more with Randy Buffy when we return. Perfect. Oh, okay. fabulous. Thank you. All right. Real Estate Chalk Talk, HittnerGroup.com, H-I-T-T-N-E-R Group.com. We'll be right back. Get that. Rack Shack Attack. Rack Shack Bar. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.